Hey everyone, welcome to the Your Pastor Reads Books podcast, where you'll hear pastors from different backgrounds and denominations discuss their love of reading and the specific books that are shaping them to be wholehearted followers of Jesus and better givers of spiritual care to others. I'm your host, Heather Weber, and today my guest is Dr. Beth Backus, pastor of The Table, a multi-ethnic church plant in Federal Way, Washington, that just celebrated its one-year anniversary. Beth is an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God and served for 12 years in urban church planting in New York, Minneapolis, and Seattle. She also serves as Director of Development for the Network of Women Ministers that provides leadership development to 10,000 women across the nation. As you might have guessed, this woman is smart, inspiring, and passionately loves God and people. Today we talk about God's faithfulness to do the impossible and the miraculous, even in the midst of our weaknesses. And this is a conversation inspired by Maria Woodworth Edder's book, A Diary of Signs and Wonders. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. So great being with you, Heather. I am so excited about this conversation and... I want to just jump in by congratulating you on the one-year anniversary of your church plant, which is just so exciting. Um, You and I, we've been friends for a few years. And so because of that, I just happen to know that you are one of the most strategic and prepared church planters I know um, that I've ever known, honestly, and that everything you do just breathes strategy and excellence and intention to reach your community. But I know church planting's hard, and you know church planting's hard. <laughs> and so I wonder um, what you might share that surprised you about this process uh, that you might, or, or a word of advice that you might want to give to other church planters listening to our conversation today. Right. I, I think I was most surprised that the highs would be so high and the lows would be so low. So for example, um, that there would be such miracles. I mean, that God would provide a space for us to meet inside of a mall, very unconventional. I mean, you walk into a mall, there's a Dick's Sporting Goods and a Target and a Kohl's, and then there's us. Like that was just a miracle. And the, the ways that, that people have come, we, we served 3000 people have been through our church just in the first 12 months at our different community outreach events and our church services. Uh, So I I don't know if I expected that much in the first 12 months, but on the other side of it, um, I struggled with so many different sicknesses and there was just a lot of suffering and a lot of fear and a lot of just hard days, I guess I would say. And so I think the surprise was, wow, it's going to be harder than you think, but God's going to show up in ways that you couldn't imagine either. He surprised us by... Um, you know, the diversity of the people that come to our church, all of those things. Yeah. And that's such a unique thing about your church because, you know, you've told me that there are over 135 different nationalities represented all around your church. And the Anglo population is under 49%. So you've got this multicultural staff and you're reaching a diverse, diverse group of people. And that's something that you didn't is that something you knew ahead of time or? We did. I, I was 
Yeah, I was I was very intentional about planting a multicultural church with a multicultural team from the beginning. And so that part was very strategic and how we did it was strategic in our events. Uh, we do an event called Taste of the Nations, and it brings people, of course, from all different nationalities to taste foods from around the world. And we have people from our church preparing Pakistani food and injara from Eritrea and all of these other places. Uh, and so those parts uh, have been very strategic, but it's been exciting to see people respond to that. You know, sometimes yes. you put down a vision on paper and you're like, is this going to work? Uh, and sometimes it's surprising when it does. And God does draw people and people are coming and they're excited to find Jesus. Yes. Yes. That's so beautiful. And I'm celebrating with you about that. Um, I want to just shift to the more, the more of the topic at hand. And that is, um, since I first heard you speak, I heard you referencing books that I would add to my own reading list. And you have a long road in ministry before even planting the table. And um, you're a reader and you're a thinker. And I, I wonder, you know, how did you become that reader that you are today? How does that inform your ministry life? Sure. I think I was probably 13 years old, maybe a little younger when I first picked up a book uh, about Joni Erickson Tata's life. Um, you know, of course, many of us know her. She was a Christian who was in this diving accident in her teens. She's lived her entire life in ministry as a quadriplegic. And her story really inspired me how to overcome my personal trauma and the hard things I was going through and how to keep my faith in Jesus. Uh, I remember picking up the book by Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness, uh, and thinking, wow, like the the creativity of blending, you know, the spiritual realities with our lives. And of course, later in life, started picking up uh, theology books. And in my 30s, you know, finished my BA and then went on to get my master's and doctorate. Uh, I just personally love the transformation that happens when I learn something new. I love the aha moment for me personally. It's, it's, it's a bit like a drug. My goal is to read a book a week and each year I try to have a balance in what I'm reading, you know, from some theology, biographies, uh, practical ministry books, of course. Uh, and then I like to throw in some historical fiction for fun. That's kind of my vacation type of reads. But uh, I think reading, we learn so much from reading and then also from podcasts. So I listen to podcasts of other authors and re and people who are who are producing great content. And, and that really changes me as well. That's beautiful. And I like what you said about the aha moments that you're a little bit addicted to them. Do you feel like those aha moments lend themselves to your spiritual formation typically, or is it just aha moments about just other intellectual curiosities? Well, yeah, both. And I mean, there's moments that I, I, you know, have this moment where I, I never saw scripture in that light, or I didn't know that historical piece of what Paul was talking about in that context, and it brings it to life for me. Um, but also just the way that, that Jesus speaks to me, and it changes me and my perception of who God is. And of course, as a pastor and a leader, when I'm changed and I'm closer to Jesus, I can just bring my people closer to Jesus, because of course, I'm going to share that, and I'm going to package it in a way that people can grab a hold of it. And so it comes out in my sermon writing, it comes out in how I lead my team. I do a pre-service Devo 
for just my team. It's kind of just that extra little something I want to bless my team with every week because they're serving so much. And so I I love just preparing something that's just that I call it those little mic moments from Jesus, like those aha moments. And I usually get those from reading. I love that. I love that. It's just kind of like God is giving you some food and you're sharing it appropriately mm-hmm. and contextually. So um, I gave you a choice of, of a couple of books that, that you have read and that have shaped your life. Will you tell us a little bit about the book you, you ended up deciding to talk about today? Um, yeah. What's it sure. called and why has it shaped you so much as a follower of Jesus? I was recently uh, with a group of pastors and the woman that I had never met sat beside me and she said, have you ever heard of Maria Woodworth Edder? And I said, you know, I don't think I have. And I was so intrigued uh, after she started telling me about her life that I had studied church history. I have, you know, a a ministry degree, but I had never heard of this woman who was so formative in the Pentecostal movement here in America. And so I picked up a book uh, by Maria Wordworth Etter. It's called A Diary of Signs and Wonders. It's edited by Lee Howard. And it's really the story of her life blended with stories of her um, many years in ministry. It was amazing. Maria was very familiar with tragedy, uh, especially in her family. She was born in 1844. She was a very poor housewife. She had six children and five of them all died when she was young. So you talk about heartbreak. Uh, People who knew her thought that she was going to die of a broken heart. She actually lost her sixth child much later in life, but she outlived all six of her children. Um, Her husband uh, was unfaithful to her, which led to a divorce that she didn't want. She had a multitude of health challenges. Yet in spite of all of this, um, her ministry took her really coast to coast across America. Thousands of people, not hundreds, thousands came to faith in Jesus. Thousands were healed and there are documented uh, healings and mir- uh, miraculous healing that would happen in her meetings. And then as a result, hundreds of churches planted and she would help organize uh, churches that would just be launched after her meetings. I think it's interesting to note her tent that she held these tent meetings in. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word tent, but I think, oh, maybe a a, a circus tent or something like that. Her tent held 7,000 people. And they and they would meet every single night, sometimes for weeks on end. Uh, so, you know, I think it's funny that we're kind of impressed by our mega churches today. Uh, but here was Maria Woodworth Edder over 100 years ago. Thousands of people were flocking to hear the gospel. Uh, Dr. Grant Wacker, who's he's a distinguished professor emeritus from Duke University School. He said that Maria was the most prominent healing evangelist of the era era, and that no one commanded greater awe in Pentecostal circles. Um, and, and here's the reality. She never went to university, uh, but she taught scripture with such authority. In fact, she said, she would say this, while I was preaching, God sent every word like arrows dipped in the blood of Jesus to their hearts. So when she spoke, she spoke with this just power and authority straight from the word. Uh, And she describes the power of God like a cyclone that would hit her meetings. And and literally, they say sinners would run to the altar screaming for mercy. They would feel such 
conviction of their sins. And then they would experience this incredible transformation and their lives would would be different. Of course, she tells one story of this uh, mom who brought her little boy who was demon possessed. He was so out of control. Maria actually told the mom, you can't bring him here. He's disrupting our services. But when the mom took her little boy home, he begged, please take me back to the woman of God. And so the mom brought her uh, son back and Maria looked at him and God gave her such compassion. She cast out the demon and it was said every time she visited that town, uh, she would visit annually that young man who would be dressed in uh, a suit would come forward and present her with flowers every year and thank her for her ministry. Wow. Um, so, I mean, just supernatural. In fact, Maria says that if she would write down everything that happened in each meeting, she would have to write a book for every single meeting. That's how many miracles would happen. Wow. Um, and many times, and, and this is what, what related with me. I, my first year of church planting, I just struggled with physical illness. I, I'm a really healthy person. Otherwise, I've not had any major physical complications in my life. But as soon as we decided to plant a church in one of the most unreached uh, regions of the country, which is the Pacific Northwest, and in a very diverse community, over 135 different nationalities, I started getting sick every month with something different. Well, Maria, the same thing would happen. She would feel so sick. But they, she actually, at one point in, towards the end of her life, they would carry her up on the pulpit in a wheelchair. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came on her to preach, she would jump out of the wheelchair. They said she would run around stage and preach. And then when she was done, the, the physical power would leave her and she would collapse back down and they would have to literally carry her off of the stage. And wow. so I... I just relate to that in so many ways. There have been so many times this past year where I would wake up feeling so sick, but I would go to the church and go in faith and God would give me supernatural strength. There, there are days that I'm like, I don't even know how I got through that. And I, I was hospitalized once with a, a kidney infection and some things like that. But just to see her level of faith, to continue to pursue her calling just in spite of the physical challenges, in spite of even her husband abandoning her and the, the heartache and the pain and the grief that I can't imagine losing her children. Um, wow. But it's really, it's challenged me to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit like never before. I mean, here's this woman who really had nothing by the standards of the world, right? She was poor. She had all of this tragedy and loss. She was uneducated. Yet the power of God load through her to impact thousands of people. And actually she's referred to in a lot of church circles now that I've know who she is and she's on my radar is the grandmother of Pentecostalism hmm. here in the U S. And so when I, when I look at her life, I'm like, okay, Jesus, I want more of what she had. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's my brain's going so many different ways. It's almost hard to respond to a story like that because it's so, it's so much bigger than anything really that we see today through the ministry of one person. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. as you were talking, I was thinking a little bit of Heidi Baker, who is the, um, right. Uh, ministers in Mozambique and all over the world, uh, through Iris ministries. And she does tell some stories of being so ill 
and like she was going to lose her life. And yet God's saying, nope, I'm anointing you. You're going to go back Mm -hmm. to Mozambique and you're going to take care of, Mm -hmm. you know, orphans basically in the country. Right. That's so beautiful. And as a church planter myself, I can just, and I'm sure there are a lot of church planters and pastors listening who they might be the only staff person or the only one who can preach that Sunday or the only one who can lead worship. And there are days where you just can't call in sick, right? And I had so many days like that where it was like, there's no choice but to go as long as I'm not going to infect anyone, you know? And that's right. Yeah, that's right. right. There is that there is COVID. Right. Um, and somehow God gives us grace. Right. God is right, so much right. bigger. He's so much bigger than our weaknesses. So this has just right. really buoyed your heart. It sounds like. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because the other piece and the reason I connect with her so much, she was literally born a couple miles from where I was born. Mm. And she, she tells the story where she was invited to this church in my hometown of Columbiana, Ohio, wow. and she lost her voice. She couldn't speak. And she said she got up and she was about to just kind of whisper to somebody on the side that she couldn't speak, but she said she got up and started um, speaking by faith and the Lord restored her voice. And she said her voice carried to the back of the room and it was a powerful time. And people were at the altars and seeking God and God just showed up. And so I think it just reminds me of, you know, the scripture that talks about that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm. And so many times, especially as women in ministry, I know Men struggle with imposter syndrome as well and all of that. But especially because, you know, I only know literally two more other women church planters across the nation that are doing what I'm doing. There's just not too many that I know. And um, to see this woman who really, that's what she did. She was church planting. She was traveling and speaking, but then churches, she would help organize leaders of churches. And here's Here's the one thing that that she taught me. She said, I would never pick the leader to plant the church as a seasoned Christian. She says, I I would always find the new believer that got saved that week and uh, and put them in charge of the whole church plant. Wow. And and then she said, I'd come back to uh, the, the town the next year and there would be a big, beautiful building and the church would be thriving and I'd preach there and celebrate with them. And, and she believed in the younger generation of believers, wow. you know, she wasn't. Um, and so my team, uh, many of my team are generation, you know, the Z's and the millennials, Zillennials. Some of them say we're in the middle and they call themselves Zillennials. Um, but they're, they're in their twenties and they're, they're running our church. They're the ones who are organizing all the outreaches and doing the young adult ministry and worship and all of the things. And so that just really inspired me too, that she was really strategic and, and um, really releasing those who were newer to faith and putting them in leadership and just letting them go for it. Wow. And that's pretty unorthodox. You know, we often say, okay, this person has to have been in ministry for a long time. They have to know the ropes. And here, I mean, like the early church, there weren't people who knew the ropes of how church was supposed to be as a new community of Christians. So 
I guess if God can do it in Acts, he can do it in 1844 America, right? Um, So you mentioned something about being a woman in ministry um, and imposter syndrome. And so I don't know if you're able to give a little context. What were the male ministers doing at this time? Like, how did her ministry compare to male evangelists or like what other things stood against her? Like, were there people who didn't receive her ministry because she was female? You know, it's interesting that her book doesn't really mention that at all. In fact, it says, you know, she does say that when she baptized people, that many times people would say to her, you're the first time I've ever seen a woman baptize anyone. Hmm. But, but there wasn't any, and I'm sure there was some pushback, um, but she doesn't really address it too much. She, I think people were so intrigued by the signs and wonders happening in her ministry that they were like, Hey, come on, God's moving. Give us some more of that. Hmm. In fact, she tells one story um, that's not has to do with gender, but race. She was down in one of the Southern States and the white Christians said, we don't want people of color coming to this tent meeting. Hmm. And she stood up to them and she said, well, if we exclude people of color, we will exclude the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will not show up. So I will not preach unless everyone is included. And she would not back down. And they said the power of the Holy Spirit would move. And there were, you know, racial divides that, that would fall for the night as they all came together under the same tent. And honestly, you know, the latest research by Mark DeMaz says that over 95% of our churches in America are still segregated. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder, are we not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit because of some segregation Mm -hmm. within the evangelical church? And so I do think we can learn a lot by looking back at Maria and seeing her leadership. And even for, think, think of what America looked like in 18, late 1800s, early, uh, the segregation that was there, right? And yet she stood her ground and said, no, um, this gospel message is for all nations, and she would not back down. So that challenged me as well. That's so challenging. Can you imagine if more leaders in white churches said, hey, if we exclude people of color, we exclude the Holy Spirit. We're not moving forward till we have people of color on our leadership teams, uh, on our boards, you know? Wow. So Beth, one of the main job descriptions of a pastor is to shepherd people and to care for people Mm -hmm. and give, give spiritual care to people. So I know you're doing that a lot for your team. Um, Maybe they're doing a lot of that for the congregation, but how has this book, like how did the story and the way that you were moved by it, how does that make you a better spiritual giver, a giver of spiritual care to the people in your church and congregation? Yeah. Maria always took time to allow people to respond to uh, the message. So she would preach and then she would give time for people to respond. And I've been doing that ever since I read her book several months ago. Mm-hmm. At the end of every service, I'm not in a quick rush to wrap it up with a bow and get everybody on their way. I, I have more pause and, and it looks different every week. Sometimes I'll just have our worship uh, pastor playing quietly and I'll ask a question 
and just ask people to sit with it and ask the Lord this question and and listen and see what God says to their hearts. You know, so many times our services are just as noisy as the real world. We come in and there's worship and somebody's praying, then somebody's preaching and there's announcements and all these things. And sometimes I feel like we can be, we can leave church just as exhausted and empty as, as my week that's full of work and social media and noise and distraction. Mm. So I'm trying to create some space and then sometimes it looks like, hey, if you need prayer, our prayer team is here. Come forward for prayer. And just making it, you know, I, I tell our team, we're cult- we're cultural architects. We are creating our culture. So let's build a culture in the church where we don't just come as consumers mm-hmm. and, hey, just feed me, uh, feed me so I can be on my way. But give a time and, and an expectation that, no, after we hear God's word, we respond to God's mm-hmm. word. And maybe God wants you to respond by forgiving somebody or coming forward for prayer or just taking a moment and pausing and listening and thinking, how can this apply to my life? Uh, Who do you want me to, you know, share the love of Jesus with this week? Is there something specific I I can do? Uh, But just creating that time because it's, it's really, she probably wasn't known so much for her preaching, right? As she was for for the response to that preaching. And, and, you know, sometimes we, I love the word and we need the word of God. And I, I preach the word, but we need the wonders. We need room for God to move Um, Mm. in the new Testament. uh, Jesus people, the flock, they flocked around Jesus because they didn't just hear the word. They saw it in action. The Mm. new Testament apostles, they didn't just preach the word. They were healing. They were laying hands on the sick and they were recovering and restoring sight to the blind. And mm. so I, I think that's something uh, we're missing in the American church is mm. we give the word, but are we seeing the wonders of God connected? Are we mm. are we giving God room to move um, so that we can see those wonders? That's so beautiful. And, and you hit the nail on the head so much of uh, church culture, certain streams, not all of them look a lot like, you know, kind of like McDonald's drive through church. You know what I mean? Like we're just coming, we're hearing a sermon, we're going home. And so I love that to just leave space for the people in the congregation to just have their own unique response to God, um, to respond in the way that the Lord mm-hmm. is speaking to them. Because we don't know all the time what that is as pastors, as preachers. We don't, we don't know. Can you imagine though, what was that she said about arrows shooting at people's hearts, uh, the blood, yeah, right. blood yeah. covered arrows? Yeah, or that the word of God, yeah, that the word of God that she spoke was like an arrow dipped in the blood of Jesus and then went forward and just pierced the hearts of the people. It pierced their uh, hearts. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They experience yeah. the wonder, but then they need space to respond. That's so good. Um, anything mm. else you'd like to leave us with about this? You know, I'm just convinced that the American church doesn't need more strategy. We need more of the mm. spirit. Uh, and I'm a strategy person. Okay. I know. Uh, I, I'm in, I'm currently in three different cohorts. Okay. Which is probably too, too many, but I, I'm in three different cohorts. I have the doctorate and the education. I read up all of the books. Uh, I believe in systems, right? But systems can't replace the move of the spirit. And so um, I've been asking God to just supernaturally speak to my people. Uh, and last weekend, um, as I was preaching uh, on 
dangerous prayers. And one of the dangerous prayers is saying, God, search me. A woman in my congregation, new believer, young mom, she leaned over and said to her mom next to her, she says, what if I don't trust God to search me? Mm. And a minute later, in the middle of my sermon, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's somebody here that doesn't trust God. And I said it, I said it out loud. And she said, she said, through tears, she goes, I couldn't believe it was like, you knew what I said. And I said, that was God speaking to you. And she came to me with just tears streaming down her face. She said, now I know that God is real. She goes, I used to come here just, just for people and community, but now I know that God is real. Wow. Um, And, you know, it was Dr. Craig Keener was here in Seattle a few weeks Mm. ago. He's the New Testament theologian, uh, Asbury University. He shares that up to 90% of new converts from Middle Eastern countries are coming to faith as a direct result of seeing a miracle. And so Mm. my question after reading this book is, what if we believed God to do more miracles, you know, inside and outside of our churches. You know, yes. Maria's story has challenged me that messages need to be accompanied by miracles. We we need them both. People need to hear the gospel, but they also just need to see it. So uh, that's what I'm praying for. God, come and visit us. And let's, let's make the message and the miracles and marrying those two. Let's normalize that in our churches. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Amen. I think about my, my adult children who've grown up with the word, but and, and sometimes our our kids who grow up in church, if they don't see the wonder, they can become sort of inoculated right. against against right. the the word because they've gotten maybe a, a version of it without the wonder. And that's what I pray for right. in the lives of my kids and my family members who don't know Jesus is that they would know the wonder because chances are that's they've so heard good. the message, right? And and they know something right. intellectually, but not not necessarily the wonder um, in some cases. So, Beth, thank you so much for being here. This is so inspiring, and I pray that it just inspires so many other others who are listening today. Thank you, Heather. Great being with you. Thanks for listening in on my conversation with Dr. Beth Backus. You can follow Beth's ministry at the Table Church Live on all social media platforms and check out the show notes for Beth's personal social links, as well as links to the books we mentioned. Also, if you want to support the podcast in spirit or with your bank account, you can subscribe to it at yprb.substack.com or give it a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. Once again, I'm your host, Heather Weber. For more information about me, you can click around on my website at heatherweber.org. That's Weber with one B. Thanks for listening, and I hope you get time to read a great book today. Thank you.